Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. He's always up for a good debate. This is The Roy Green Show. If you're a regular listener to this program, you may recall uh, during the beginning, the opening salvos of fire about um, Energy East Pipeline and Danny Kader, the former mayor of Montreal, making some asinine comments and giggling about Alberta's problems. At that time, I had three Albertans on my show, regular guys grassroots guys who were questioning the future of Alberta within Canada. And they sent me a very interesting email, and so we had them on the show. And what they talked about drove the agenda on this program for three weeks. There was such tremendous response. So those three guys are going to be back tomorrow. And we'll do the same issue. We'll talk about the same issue because... This pipeline story and the spinoffs have some people, I've seen emails from Western Canada particularly, saying, what's the point? So we'll have them back tomorrow, and we'll take calls. Earlier this week, we found out that uh, Paul Bernardo, the serial murderer, one of the most despicable people who's still allowed to breathe in this country, was discovered to have had a cell-made can't say homemade, but cell-made shank, a piece of um, weaponry that he was either planning to use to attack somebody or felt that he needed to defend himself. Now he faces additional criminal charges. And joining me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network is the lawyer for the French and Mahaffey families, Tim Danson. Tim and I have known each other for many years, going back to the days of Christopher Stevenson and... Uh, that terrible situation with Joseph Fredericks was allowed out of prison to, when he attacked and murdered little 12-year-old Christopher. Sometimes I wonder, Tim, if we've come very far since those days. Other times I, I think we have, but can you put some sort of context to this whole Bernardo story vis-a-vis 2018? Because he still wants to get out. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting development. Uh, obviously, it uh, pales in comparison to the offenses for which he was convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment and declared a dangerous offender. Um, uh, from the family's perspective, uh, I mean, if he's convicted of this, it will impact his uh, parole eligibility. Um, currently, we're preparing, we have been preparing for his um, parole hearing that's scheduled for October. My guess is that these uh, criminal charges will probably result in a further adjournment. Um, and that's beneficial to us because uh, we're currently involved in an access for information request of the Parole Board and Corrections Canada. And I must say I find it um, incredulous that um, we're unable to get access to his uh, file, his institutional file, or more importantly, that the public is not entitled to have access to the very materials that Paul Bernardo is relying upon uh, for uh, his uh, parole hearing. And, and let's be clear about this. Parole hearings are public hearings. They're part of the criminal justice system. 
And uh, Paul Bernardo is, in my view, seeking a public remedy, yet we're not entitled to the evidence that he wants to rely upon uh, because of his privacy interests. And uh, we find that um, uh, incredulous. And uh, and, and we will be bringing um, judicial proceedings to uh, to litigate that issue. You know, a number of years ago, I had a phone call from someone who said he was a guard at Kingston Penitentiary, where Bernardo was housed at the time. And he said, Bernardo is receiving conjugal visits. You should know this. So we called Correctional Service Canada, and they basically did what you just said. But they came on the air, this spokesperson came on the air, and after I asked the question, the response to him was, Mr. Bernardo is entitled to his rights, as every other offender in Canada's prison system is. One of his rights is privacy. We will not let you know whether or not he's receiving conjugal visits. End of story. Yeah, I mean, I think this whole issue of, uh, of, of privacy rights, I mean, I think, you know, they obviously have a certain level of privacy rights. But uh, for me, I certainly draw the line when... Um, they're now seeking a public remedy, which is to be released mm-hmm. back into the community. What's the um, case he's making? Well, we, we don't know, and that's the point. you know. And so I'm in the process of preparing the victim impact statements for the families. Um, and uh, we think that this information is very important. How does the public know that the parole board is doing a good job or a bad job on any of their decisions if the only information that we're entitled to is the information the parole board chooses for itself to disclose in its decisions. Why is it that um, the the entire criminal justice system, and indeed not just the criminal but civil as well, why is it that it's a sacrosanct principle of constitutional law of any democracy to have an open court, transparent uh, system so that the public itself can, can judge if the criminal justice system is working. I mean, after all, it's the taxpayers who are paying for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that all transparent and public? But when we get to the other end, and, and, and that Paul Bernardo's sentencing was public, that his dangerous offender application uh, was, was public, which involved very, very specific um, you know, medical evidence and reports, very, very personal, otherwise very, very private. But we don't say, you know, because this is dealing with uh, whether Paul Bernardo's a psychopath and what his risk to public safety is, uh, because it's his medical condition, we're going to keep that private. I mean, that's laughable, and that's not the law. So why does it change magically at the other end when he's now seeking to be relieved from the consequences of his life sentence and his dangerous offender uh, application? I think this is a question of enormous public importance and public interest, and as I say, we will be putting it forward in the courts. And um, and I think that the system needs to change. I suspect that Corrections Canada and the Parole Board uh, don't give a hoot about uh, Paul Bernardo's privacy rights. I think that the, uh, the, the, the decision not to disclose any of this material is so that they won't be held accountable for their actions. And we don't allow it, as I say, in the criminal justice system. And I say the parole system is part of that criminal justice system and should be just as transparent. You know, Section 745 was that section of the criminal code which allowed a first-degree murderer an opportunity to apply for a parole board, or at least a parole hearing, after 25 years. Uh, Is this what Bernardo is doing? Was his situation grandfathered that allows him to do this, or is it something else? No, I mean, they've always had a right in Canada to uh, apply for people who are sentenced to life imprisonment are eligible for parole after, that is full parole, after 25 years. Of course, we're not at the 25-year mark yet, but you're entitled to day parole after, I believe it's 22 years, and that's why Bernardo's able to apply for day parole and for 
you know, unescorted or escorted temporary uh, absences. That's all that's it's in play right now. Um, the thing that really bothers me is that, and where Bernardo got lucky, because the law changed after this, is that, in my view, um, you know, he gets 25 years. I mean, I'm sorry, he gets life imprisonment without eligibility for parole at 25 years. So that's the case with his murder of Leslie Mahaffey. I don't understand, and it bothers me immensely, why does he get a free ride uh, for the murder of, uh, of Kristen French? I mean, why isn't it then 50 years uh, or something more? Now, today the laws change, and the jury does have the right, in the case of a double murder, to say, no, um, we're not going to allow pro eligibility after 25 years because you've killed two people, so we're going to make it somewhere between 25 and 50. Yeah. But I do find it objectionable that Paul Bernardo is effectively getting a, you know, a free ride in even having parole eligibility after 25 years when he yeah. murdered two people. Couldn't agree with you more. Tim, let's talk again. Thanks for everything you do for the families, and thanks for everything you do for all of us. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, great being on your show. Thanks. Tim Danson, lawyer for the French Mahaffey families on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.